Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. It is a light news day for your Wednesday podcast. The Browns were off as it is their regimented uh, you know, game week schedule that they get Tuesdays off, so there was no practice availability, no press conference time, so we had very, very little news. The only little bit of news that somehow came out of Pro Football Talk, which as we know is not the best website for football coverage anymore, Taking a quote from Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa talking about his ability to be ready to face Travis Kelsey and, uh, you know, talked about how he's going to be ready. Everybody comes into this believing they're ready. I don't think any guy would come up here and ask you the question and be like, I'm not ready. I'm definitely ready. We put in the work, put in the time, so we'll see what pays off. You know, when you write your headline there saying that Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is saying he's ready for Travis Kelsey, you're going to get anger clicks because... Chiefs fans are going to, you know, they're going to take that the wrong way. While JOK didn't specifically mention anybody's name, uh, and, and it's like you know, the news cycle is just so strange, and how you structure a title is is pretty paramount to, uh, to, to, to getting a story right. But, you know, whatever gets clicks these days. Uh, around the NFL news, uh, there's not really a ton other than Tom Brady's mad about single-digit numbers thinks that it gives defenses a competitive advantage because you don't really know what position these guys are playing. I see both sides of it. You know, I, I certainly thought single-digit numbers were going to be a little cooler than they have turned out to be, especially confusing in the preseason for figuring out who guys are. You know, your brain just gets, like, programmed into uh, who guys, you know, what, what numbers are for what positions, that kind of thing. And you get accustomed to the 50s for the linebackers. For the most part, you know, DBs having the similar number structure, sometimes creeping into the 40s, you know, running backs in the 20s, 30s, 40s. Like, now you see some single digits, and it's a bit confusing. You know, I'm, I'm like, again, I'm watching the Chiefs and trying to figure out who's playing where. I think it will become normal over time, like all things. But for now, a little strange, and uh, I, I think i got to get used to it. I, I'd certainly like it a little less than I thought I would. But like all things, I will get used to it and be fine. Tom Brady, hey man, you're a smart guy. Learn the scouting report. I think you'll ultimately be, uh, you know, be a okay to to figure out who plays where come Thursday night. Uh, the Ravens went out and signed Le'Veon Bell. I am not, I'm not all too concerned about it. I think he has passed his prime. Maybe there's another season in his body. I'm not sure, but again, not entirely too concerned about that uh, at all because I just. You know, the the decrease in skill from J.K. Dobbins to Le'Veon Bell at this age is not is not a, is not going to change much for Baltimore at all. Latavius Murray did get released and in an unfortunate turn of events, uh, a player that gets to Tuesday of any given week is guaranteed their money for the uh, for the week or whatever. And since he's a vested veteran, his money guaranteed for the entire season Tuesday at three o'clock and. They cut him before that. You know, there was a restructure conversation that happened, but they ended up cutting him before that, uh, you know, the vested veteran deadline 
to give him his guaranteed money this year. So that kind of just a subtle reminder that the NFL is a harsh business sometimes, and Murray did not want to restructure his deal and thus was released, and that's unfortunate. We had an OBR Twitch channel show. We did Chalk Talk, myself, Kyle, Kyle Murphy. We posted 50 minutes of conversation about the Browns' first three drives, two with the starters, one with the backups in Atlanta. Go check that out if you can. Still going to be up for another couple days before I take it down. Tried to rewatch the Chiefs game, but the uh, buffering internet quality of, of trying to recast through screen sharing just wasn't working. But the O-line play was fun because we talked about the first and second teams. Nick Harris stood out. Some thoughts on James Hudson. So again, go check that out. I'd appreciate it if you do so. I think it's a pretty good episode as we get ready for, for Kansas City this weekend. But before we get to today's guest, we're going to talk about our good friends at TickPick. With Browns football finally being back, there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find those precious, precious Browns tickets. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all things NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge where it almost doubles the price of the ticket that's advertised which lets them guarantee, TickPick can guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference of the purchase price. So, again, if you're going to that home opener, Texans, which, again, we're giving away free tickets through the OBR Twitch. If you can't get those free tickets and you're buying tickets for that game yourself, make sure you go to TickPick right now to get in on the action. That's promo code BREAKDOWN. If you use the promo code BREAKDOWN at TickPick.com slash BREAKDOWN, get that $10 off your first order. Again, TickPick, T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K, no fees. Go out, prove yourself right, find other seats, cheaper, right? They'll cover 110% of it. You won't find a better deal out there. So go check out TickPick today. Now let's get over to our interview with Ed Easton. I'm pretty pumped about this. Ed is a fantastic writer. He covers the Chiefs. He does so for USA Today. Uh, if you can find him at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter, you can follow him there. Good uh, good Chiefs content. He writes for the Chiefs Wire, does a ton of other things, covering what is a pretty good football team. So today we're going to focus on the offense specifically, how they've done in preseason, what the offseason was like, the new offensive line, all of it. Let's get over to that interview with Ed Easton Jr. right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcoming in Ed Easton Jr. We've had Ed on. We did our preview before the season, looking at AFC contenders. Obviously, the Chiefs are the 
perennial AFC contender. That seems like forever ago now. It's finally week one, Ed. How are you feeling? Jake, I'm feeling great, man. I'm happy to be back on the show. Thanks for the invite. Of course, man. Of course. You give great insight, and our, our fan base here is lucky to have you on to talk about where the Chiefs are. Talk to me about the preseason in general. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, to be honest, I know, I know a little bit about how it went, but maybe our fans don't just kind of summarize that if you can. Well, the chiefs preseason, you know, obviously wins and losses don't really matter as much. They uh, were able to sweep through, uh, one, all three games. The biggest part that they were really just trying to address to see how the new offensive line kind of meshed together. Uh, that's the only thing that's been on everyone's mind, whether you're a chiefs fan or just anybody that watched the Super Bowl uh, this past year. You want to see how this new offensive line is able to gel together and see how some of these uh, new rookies and new acquisitions are able to just kind of play along the line. Because if you look at the Chiefs, they pretty much kept the same weapons in regards to a wide receiver. Obviously, Sammy Watkins is the biggest uh, uh, the biggest missing piece and uh, as he walked in free agency. But you have McCall Hardman who steps up in that spot. So other than that, you just want to make sure the offensive line really uh, has some type of reps in together. There's been uh, injury issues that have uh, affected some some uh, some playing time in regards to what they did in the preseason. But I, I would say for what Andy Reid was looking for in the offense, uh, I think he got everything he wanted. Well, let's talk about that. The Browns are the complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of what they want to do in the preseason. Baker in the, in the first group, and that first group didn't include a, a few key pieces. Odell Jarvis didn't play a single snap in the preseason. Nick Chubb didn't play a single snap. And, uh, and center veteran center J.C. Treader didn't play a snap. But the other guys did, four of the five offensive linemen. They just played roughly 17 snaps in the third preseason game. But the Chiefs go about it a little bit differently. I watched some of their defense, and Steve's got the – Spagnuolo's got the defense rocking and rolling, man, disguising coverages, wheeling safeties out from from uh, from mug center positions, wheeling them out to, to half-field coverage. It's fantastic. They're rocking and rolling. I'm curious about the offense. I see here from Pro Football Focus, Mahomes with about 51 snaps. Some of the other guys who are going to be counted on Orlando Brown, 67, Lucas Niang, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith. They all hit the – and Joe Tooney, they all hit the 67 mark. So that's the starting five up front, I would imagine. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But, like, Andy Reid, does he give anything philosophical about how he likes to do the preseason? Because there's a clear difference in how he approaches it with his guys getting ready and how the Browns do. One thing I've noticed with uh, Andy Reid over the last couple seasons uh, covering him with the Chiefs is that he really doesn't have a, a kind of philosophy on how he wants to handle a preseason. And it's interesting because he always kind of leads off with saying, OK, uh, the first game I'm going to have the starters play the whole first quarter. That's kind of been like a, a running joke because the, the starters will be out after the first series. So when it comes to Andy, he kind of doesn't want to give too much away we're kind of all just finding out at the same time. You know, he always has his press conference, but he, he doesn't really give away saying that Mahomes is going to play this amount of time or or how's it going to go. Uh, you'll hear the players often say that they want to be out there a little longer. Most like uh, most notably Tyreek Hill always talks about that. Uh, McCole Hardman, of course, uh, those guys. But I think he knows what he has in his weapons in regards to the wide receivers, even the tight ends. Uh, he knows what he has there. The, the main thing with him was just the chemistry with the offensive line making sure guys um, are able to just fit into the to fit into the system. And uh, one of the biggest things I could take away from there, obviously besides Joe Thune, Orlando Brown, you know, veterans, these are guys that you kind of expect to just jump in and just make a statement. You get rookies like Trey Smith, and 
and Creed Humphrey getting their first type of experience in a, in a real NFL game. I think that's all he really cared about. So in regards to like snap counts and, and how it was going, he just wanted to make sure those guys who are the rookies who are going to be asked to step in right away are, uh, are really healthy and are comfortable in their positions. Yeah, let's talk about them because those are the guys that you talked about. You know, Tyreek didn't play a ton. I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire is dealing with some things. We'll get to those two positions. But, yeah, this is the offensive line, as you will see it, for Cleveland. It'll be Orlando Brown at left tackle, Joe Tooney at left guard, coming over from New England, a heck of a football player. Here's the two question marks, two very talented collegiate players. We we know Creed Humphrey, at least in my opinion, was the first center that should have come off the board, and I think he might have been the first center off the board. Very talented player, uh, I think out of Oklahoma. Uh, Trey Smith, the right guard out of Tennessee. I think Trey fell a little bit because of some medicals, and you can correct me on that one, Ed, in just a second. I think medicals, but as a very talented player. And then Lucas Nyang, and, and I think year two for Lucas, a TCU product tackle who they've had high hopes for, a third-round pick. That looks like the group. Talk to me about the first five, what you saw in the preseason, how you feel, how the Chiefs feel about this group as a, you know, you're losing Mitchell Schwartz and 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 Fisher and some of those guys who have been the anchor of this place for a while. So there's a lot of change. Is the trust level high? What, what's the feeling? You know, that was the uh, first thought when you get a guy like Mitchell Schwartz, who's uh, been with the team so long and the chemistry he has on that line as a veteran, how are you going to have new players coming in? And since this is such a revamped offensive line, you look right away at the trade that happened with Orlando Brown, bringing him in. Seeing him in the preseason, he fits in perfectly. Uh, I didn't see any issues in regards to Pat having really like rush a throw unless he was scrambling on his own trying to make something happen. Uh, I think that he fits in perfectly with what they're trying to do. And then you look at a guy like Joe Thune, who, in my opinion, was probably the biggest just straight up signing because you bring in a guy who has the championship experience. He's a veteran. He knows how to play with that special type of player. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is that player we're talking about. So you want a guy like that that can just kind of be the anchor of that offensive line. He may not be the most talented. I think Orlando Brown is the most talented on that line. But when you have a guy like Joe Thune, who is the leader, you know, essentially of the line right now, it helps when you have young players like Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. And uh, the Trey Smith situation, it, you know, it's kind of weird to say. I mean, yes, he did have the health issues dealing with uh, throughout his collegiate career. But having him fall that late in the draft to just be right there for the Chiefs to take, this is a guy who, in reality, if there were no health issues, is a first-round pick. He is that good. So right now, you know, getting a guy like Trey Smith who's going to start right away because of the whole injury issues and and just what he can bring to this team, it just makes it it, it makes it that much better. Uh, Lucas Niang, you brought up, and he's actually he's he's pretty much a rookie as well. He didn't play last season because he decided to opt out due to the pandemic. But having him there, and I remember even from last year, the uh, the Chiefs were so big on what he could be for this line for a long time. Uh, it, it just adds even more reinforcement. Um, you know, we obviously still have a uh, um, we have Duvernay Tardif who is uh, still dealing with um, some injury issues right now. He's a guy that realistically will be in the starting lineup once he is healthy. Uh, Creed Humphrey at center. I, you know, what else? I think you pretty much have heard all the rumors and all the rumors are true. He is that good. He is a guy that I can see being at center probably for the next five to 10 years in a Chiefs uniform. If everything goes well, him and Mahomes already seem like they have great chemistry, even the way Mahomes kind of spoke about him 
And even the way Humphrey is uh, talking about his experience, these guys have a, a good thing going. So you always want to have your center and your quarterback being on the same page. So from the offensive line standpoint, I like what I see in preseason. Like I said, Mahomes was pretty clean for the most part outside of wanting to scramble. And at the end of the day, that is the most important part of the whole preseason, just making sure that things are uh, ready to go for when the regular year starts. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, uh, Duvernay Tardif, but it, who else would, would rotate in if they needed to? Remmers and a couple others? Remmers, definitely. Uh, they always want to make sure that they kind of have like uh, the ability to switch out here and there. And Remmers is, is that veteran. Yes, he's not the most you know flashy name on the line, but he's a veteran that could jump in, play multiple positions, and he's counted on every year. So he's everywhere he's played, he's uh, made an impact, and obviously he's still here with the Chiefs. So Remmers is one of those guys that uh, will always be in a rotation in, in regards to injuries or just uh, coming off for a couple plays. Yeah, the Browns will. I mean, Orlando Brown will be familiar with with Miles Garrett and what Cleveland brings. You know, having that AFC North connection, I'm sure he's sharing notes of his time in Baltimore. Uh, it, it, the, the the challenge will be Lucas Yang and handling Jadavian Clowney, who's had a really good camp. Who 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 finally looks like himself again. Has played well. We didn't see him in the preseason, but in the camp visits I took, he was he was dominant. And we know the Browns obviously field a pretty good offensive line themselves for the way he was playing in camp. That battle between those two tackles, the familiarity of Orlando with Miles and so on and so forth will be interesting. The interior guys, you know, uh, with, with Humphrey Smith and, and, and Tooney there is is definitely going to be uh, the angle at which swings this thing. Because if those guys can handle Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell, who's had a nice preseason for Cleveland, Andrew Billings, if they can dominate the interior, which we all know the way to get to Pat is, is it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, but you get pressure in his face right away. It's going to distract and disrupt any quarterback. And, and, and that's the probably, as we saw in the Super Bowl, the only way to consistently get him off a little bit because he is he's a challenge to disrupt and his September numbers speak for themselves. We don't have to talk about Pat a ton because we all know the greatness that has been his start of his career. How does he look in preseason, ready to go, all that stuff, I would imagine? Oh, yeah, he's ready to go. I mean, the guy wanted to play more. So uh, that just lets you know like how good he's feeling. Uh, mm -hmm. There's no issues with the injury. I was worried about the toe, if there was going to be any lingering effects of that. But uh, he's fine, and he's ready to go. But I do want to bring up one thing you said about Orlando Brown possibly sharing, you know, sharing notes, dealing with uh, Miles Garrett. There are no notes that can really prepare anyone for Miles Garrett. That's a different type of uh, player. So uh, I, the Chiefs' <laughs> offensive line, they know right away you got to be ready for Miles Garrett. Obviously, dealing with Clowney as well just adds extra, uh, extra motivation to how they're going to set up their schemes. Yeah, it'll be the, the 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 challenge off the edge will be interesting. But man, my eyes are going to be glued to how these the young Chiefs core. And I know Joe there is going to be the veteran, the presence. Uh, presence there but the two rookies are just so compelling to me because this is their first action and and Cleveland's trying to prove that their interior is worthwhile it's a group that has been doubted severely so uh, that will that will be a key focal point for when we look back at the result of the game what happened between those players up front tight end we know Travis Kelsey we know he's the game's best who is who's behind him I mean I guess we can we can touch on real quick how's Kelsey looked, and I guess it's Kels now, right? We've we've been corrected in the off season. How has uh how's he looked, and then who's behind him? I know there's Blake Bell on the roster. I believe Noah Gray is there a fourth tight end on the roster too. Well, yes, they added Jody Fortson, who is uh actually a converted former wide receiver to tight end, 
who uh, tried out for the team last year as a wideout, barely missed the cut, but uh, makes the team this year as the uh, extra tight end. Gotcha, gotcha. So if they do bring two tight ends on the field, Blake Bell comes on the field or Noah Gray, or, do you, or did they clear that up yet? You know what? It depends on the package. Uh, the way Andy Reid has kind of uh, broken down, or even a little with Eric Bietemi, they want to try different packages where you may even see three tight ends at one time. Uh, obviously, those, those uh, goal line packages where you're going to have the extra tight end. But just because of the versatility of a guy like Kelsey that you can line him out at wide out, you have uh, Fortson, who is technically, like I said, a wide receiver that they're playing at tight end. They have different weapons they could use. Uh, Noah Gray is a guy that they're very, they're really high on. He had a up and down um, preseason, didn't quite catch his footing and um, make some plays, a, a couple of drops, especially in the first game. But uh, he is somebody that they want to use in different packages as well. So if they do do two tight ends, I think the normal setup will be Kelsey and Bell because they want to have blocking and and uh, Bell is just that traditional type of tight end where he's going to be w- more worried about the uh, run and pass blocking. Well, let's talk wide receiver. The big change is, as you said earlier, Sammy Watkins leaves. And as as disappointing as Sammy Watkins' career may be from a big picture right now, he's still a talented football player who who had productive you know uh, seasons in Kansas City. So it's a big role to fill. I would imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Ed, if they go 12 personnel and they want to keep just two receivers on, they'll probably keep Tyreek and Nicole Hardman. If they go 11, which I would imagine they'll live in a lot of 11 personnel with three wide receivers, do they bump Hardman inside and then bring on Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle, or how's that? how do you think that'll shake out? Well, that's, that's exactly what they're going to be doing. They did a lot of that during the preseason. Uh, a lot of Demarcus Robinson on the outside and you know having Hardman the versatility to go either or. I've seen that a couple of times, and and like I said, the way the offense is set up with enemy, they run so many different uh, formations that it kind of just doesn't even matter who's the the starter, you know. Like that's one thing they kept kind of emphasizing that it doesn't matter who's the second wide receiver. It could be uh, Demarcus Robinson starting off the game or McCole Hardman starting off the game at that spot. It's just kind of like whoever's out there for whatever situation. That's the player they're going with. They, they've kind of just wanted to diminish that talk about there being like a, a competition to see who's the number two receiver. Is 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 there going to be any action for Marcus Kemp and, and Doris Fontaine, or, or is that they just kind of holding on to the end of the roster there in case injuries happen or stuff like that? I didn't know if those guys had any preseason impact. I think they'll get some realistic snaps week one. Well, Kemp just uh, got recently re-signed after originally not making the uh, making the cut. So uh, he's a player that, you know, I think he's going to see some time out there, but it will have to be like more of an injury reserve type of situation. He'll be more used on special teams. Uh, I just see like the way they have it set up. Uh, Byron Pringle would be like the last as far as they go in regards to like the fourth wide receiver spot. I can't see them going to Kemp right away unless there's an injury. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's it's still a dangerous wide receiver group. Byron Pringle is sort of perpetually slept on. I think he could have an impact too, at least in specials uh, a little bit as well. I think he's a fun player. So still four really good wide receivers that they will use all the time. How they, I would imagine that if they're sitting around in KC talking about, if they look back at the end of the year, how they were able to replace Sammy Watkins production will be, will be vital to how many games they win and by how much they win. Cause sometimes it's not about whether Casey wins, it's about how much. Uh, Mike Burton's a fullback, number 45. We don't have to spend much time there. I don't think he's going to get a ton of time, but wanted to to kind of talk about his name number, so if you see him on the field. But then otherwise, the running back stuff, we got to talk about this. There's a three-headed group here. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 
Darrell Williams, who we've known from the Super Bowl, so on and so forth, and then Jarek McKinnon, who's had runs in San Francisco. It's a three three guy group. I think I think Clyde Edwards Alaire entered the NFL with with a little bit too high of expectations. I know he dealt with injuries and I know he was dealing with a little bit a little bit of a lingering injury this year. I still think he's really, really damn talented. And I'm sure, and maybe you can confirm this, or maybe this hasn't been a talking point, but I would imagine getting him to be the level of productive they need, whether whether running the ball or being an effective pass catcher out of the backfield is a huge emphasis for enemy this year. And and uh, I, I'm curious, Ed, about the health of the top two guys there as well, if you can touch on that. Well, as of right now, I, I can't see Clyde Wurzelaire not playing in, in week one. Uh, obviously, he had the uh, ankle situation, but uh, that was more of a precaution to keep him out of the last uh, last two games for the most part. Uh, I think he will be he will be available week one, and he's a guy that's going to see you know a heavy amount of the load. Obviously, uh, Daryl Williams is the veteran on veteran of the crew. He's a guy that's going to be more for short yardage. Uh, McKinnon is you know I, we we've known what he's done in the past, obviously with the Minnesota Vikings as well. He's a guy that could do so many different things, and he showed it during preseason. I mean, obviously, he is a a good running back, a pass out of the backfield, but he's also shown his uh, value in special teams. I mean, the guy made, in my opinion, I think I caught him about five or six big plays in special teams. So he's a guy that's really earned his way onto the roster to really play several roles, and you could also split him as a wideout as well. Now, in regards to Clyde Edwards-Alaire and becoming a better pass catcher, Greg Lewis, who was uh, a former wide receiver, he was a wide receivers coach for uh, for so many years. He just became the running backs coach this year, so he's working more in regards to making sure that he's uh, making the plays out of the backfield, thinking more as a receiver, even though he is a running back. So these are the adjustments that were being made in the offseason and even through training camp with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Most of the um, reps that I noticed during training camp was him out of the backfield catching passes. So. It's if he feels comfortable in that role, which he's going to be using a lot, Mahomes can have a big year with him. So I know a lot of fantasy people have been asking me. I'm like, hey, this is a guy that uh, if he stays healthy, we'll get plenty of opportunities. Yeah, I would imagine that, again, just looking at the outlook of this game, if 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 you let Edwards Alaire take off, have a great game, rush for 100, catch 30 or 40 yards, a couple touchdowns, you're putting yourself in a really, really tough predicament. So you know, I don't. I don't totally know how the Browns are going to play them. They were they were so heavy zone last year, uh, they could not really get away from that because they didn't trust anybody to play man to man across the board. They did not have the skill. A huge influx of secondary skill this year in Cleveland that is seems to be healthy magically. It's like when you played in a uh, play in high school or college, and all of a sudden week one everybody's healthy. It's real weird how that works out, but <laughs> you know, but that's a good thing at the same time. We'll see how Cleveland deploys them because right now we have no idea as spectators, and we haven't seen these guys on the on the on the practice field together yet, let alone a preseason game collectively that out there. So it'll be a it'll be a huge mystery and learning experience for even those of us that cover the team. But it should be a fascinating game to watch how Cleveland's able to get pressure on Pat and how Pat's able to handle that pressure. It should be a fun, fun challenge for both teams right off the bat. The, the Chiefs present the NFL's most difficult, even with changes up front, the most difficult offense to stop, bar none, and uh, Cleveland will be highly, highly tested. Ed, these insights are invaluable to us on this podcast. We really now feel prepared about what the Chiefs are going to put out there offensively and the personnel and all of it, so we, uh, we thank you, man. Hey, Jake, thank you as always, man. Love being on the show. So that is a wrap for today. Thanks to Ed Easton Jr. for joining us talking Chiefs offense. We will be back tomorrow. 
to talk about the Chiefs defense. We have a great guest who gave a, a great interview today, really insightful stuff about the Chiefs defense and what Steve Spagnuolo is doing back there. So make sure to check that one out tomorrow. So uh, we are going to keep approaching this KC game, getting you ready for it, what the opponent brings to the table. Going to start looking at ways in which the Browns can give them some trouble toward the end of the week. And those key performers, the way that we do here on the OBR Film Breakdown, continue, if you can, to spread the word about this podcast, which is so, so helpful. Those subscriptions, which come with a download, all of that fun stuff that is great for your uh, podcast situation, however you get your podcasts. Also appreciate any of those uh, ratings that you can give, whether you're five, four, three, two, one star, whatever. Your feedback is welcome. That means you care enough to listen to this podcast. And then, again, make sure to check out the OBR Twitch, which tomorrow has not the same old Browns with Andy Lytle and Stephen Thomas, where they will give away. If you're actively there, you have to be there. You have to be a subscriber. All of that stuff present in the chat room. Enter the Enter the giveaway. And you could potentially win tickets to the home opener against the Texans. So join us for that. And again, check out the Chalk Talk replay, which is still available on the Twitch channel. Check that out today. Guys, thanks for joining us today. We'll check back in tomorrow on the Chiefs defense. Until then, have a great day and go Browns. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.